Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have our usual Friday look at this week's grain markets, which are showing a downward trend. Food prices are on the rise, and the National Farmers Union says producers are not responsible. The NFU says corporate food processors and retailers are taking a bigger bite out of the consumer dollar. Real agriculture looks at the farm losses in B.C. from recent floods. We have a look at insect outbreaks in Saskatchewan and some recommendations on fertilizing next spring's crop. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Grain prices were showing more declines this week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says canola fell over $20 a ton, while wheat futures were down about $0.05 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front here, January canola decreased approximately $28 a ton. Now, again, most traders are looking to the March contract now. Just as we start to get to uh, kind of the contract to end here on the January, uh, funny things can uh, kind of happen coming into that. So March canola is down approximately $20 a ton for the week as well. On the Minneapolis wheat side, March contract is down about $0.05 a bushel here, so trading fairly sideways on the week. So what pushed down both the canola and the wheat this past week? Well, starting off on the wheat front here, this week, yesterday, on Thursday, there was a USDA report, and both U.S. and world-ending stocks came in above trade expectations, which was actually a bit of a, a bearish development. However, Chicago March wheat is actually down about 12% or over a dollar a bushel in just 12 trading sessions. So that does leave the market in a little bit of a short-term oversold condition, meaning we might see it start to, to bottom here if traders want to start buying it at this level. But when it comes to the fundamental side, again, the USDA report was mostly bearish. And also, two traders do kind of keep in mind the rally currently in the U.S. dollar that could hurt U.S. exports right now. So that's kind of one thing to watch on the wheat side. 
And then on the canola front here, right now, I'm watching very closely what soybean oil is doing here. So soybean oil is actually trading quite at support. And if that breaks lower, I think canola is overpriced at this current level. So one thing to note, however, though, is for soybeans, there is actually little, there is a little more rain in the one week forecast from models in parts of Argentina and southern Brazil. But the second week forecast is actually quite dry for a large area of southern Brazil and much of the growing areas in Argentina. So we have seen a little bit of rally in the soybean side of things. And the USDA report did actually not have much of an impact, but with, again, some threatening weather forecasts, buyers have turned active here on that. U.S. soybean ending stocks did actually come in kind of right around what traders were expecting. The world ending stocks were below. So again, soybeans are quite positive right now, but soybean oil is negative, and that is definitely affecting the canola side here. So what's the outlook for next week and, and beyond? Well, looking next week again, seeing if this this trend in soybean oil will affect the canola market here and seeing if canola could give up some here going into, you know, at the end of the month with the January contract. So that'll, that'll be important to watch. And then on the Minneapolis wheat front here, Minneapolis wheat has been consolidating since about the beginning of November, potentially setting up for a larger rally. There's a, a bull pennant technical pattern that could be setting up. However, again, with the other wheat contracts like Chicago and Kansas declining as much as they have, not saying that Minneapolis wheat isn't vulnerable to to pullbacks as well. So that'll be something to watch for next week. Adam Piccolo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca. A new report says the price of food, which is already higher because of the pandemic, is going to get worse next year. Canada's food price report released yesterday is an annual report published by Dalhousie University and the University of Guelph that's the most comprehensive set of data currently available about the subject that all Canadians are affected by, which is food. It shows the average family of four in Canada can expect to spend $966 more on food in 2022 than they did in 2021, which is an increase of 5 to 7%. The report says dairy products will rise between 6 and 8%, Vegetables will be up 5 to 7%, and fruits estimated to cost 3 to 5% more. The National Farmers Union says producers are not to blame for rising food costs. NFU Vice President of Operations Stuart Wells of Swift Current says retail food prices are rising because large food processors, meat packers, and big retailers are taking larger shares of the consumer dollar. He says the prices paid to farmers have generally remained stagnant. So from the farmer perspective, what we've seen over a couple of decades now is that our share of the food dollar that consumers are spending, the farmer's share is actually going down. <clears throat> and um, so it, it uh, you know, it, it's very easy, and we've heard a lot of media reports over the last two months that have been really pointing the finger at farmers and and uh, you know drought related production related problems and citing those issues as the sort of the sole reasons for food price increases and um, you know we just want to make sure that uh, everybody understands 
that although the primary produ- uh, the prices to primary producers have increased in the in the last couple of months, that is only a, a tiny portion of the actual food price increases that we're seeing. So the you know things things have happened like in the late summer and early fall this year there was quite an increase in the number of cattle being marketed because farmers just did not have the feed to get them over the winter. And so the number of cattle going to slaughter was up. The, the prices to farmers were down, but the prices in the supermarkets for that same beef were continually rising. You know, it, it just makes everybody sort of stop and wonder exactly how this food system is working. And to whose benefit? Wells says the entire food chain needs greater study to help consumers understand where their food dollar is going. He says the food industry is too consolidated and needs changes. The NFU has been calling for much more decentralized, uh, smaller plants and smaller slaughtering facilities, for instance, that can work with individual farmers out in the countryside to make sure that there is another more flexible, more resilient system in place for the next time we have some sort of, you know, serious supply chain issues. And that goes for all the farmers markets and all the greenhouse type operations in the country. The more that we can produce in Canada and get directly to consumers through the farmers markets or the community shared agriculture or, you know, however it's done, that just makes the whole system stronger. And everybody agrees that it's really beneficial to the country to have a a strong and dynamic system of primary producers. Stuart Wells farms at Swift Current and is vice president of operations at the National Farmers Union. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Welcome to Real Ag Radio and realagriculture.com. I am Lindsay Smith, and joining me now on the line is Minister of Agriculture for British Columbia, Lana Popham. Welcome here, Minister. Thanks so much for the invite. All right, Minister, it has been, of course, um, an incredibly trying year for your province, but of course, the last few weeks have been just an incredible, incredibly difficult time. How are farmers managing right now? Well, uh, to say that the last three weeks have been devastating is an understatement. It's been just uh, an awful and sad situation that we're dealing with here. I was able to get out to the flooding in the Fraser Valley after the first week. And at that point, I think it's safe to say that people were still very much in shock uh, and dealing with the emergencies at hand. Um, one of the largest emergencies was trying to move livestock and deal with livestock that um, was deceased. Mm-hmm. So um, back in uh, yesterday, and um, things have changed on the ground. So we're down to about 450 farms that are left in the evacuation zone. We had over a thousand uh, at one point. So the water is receding. And, um, you know, it, it, it's quite amazing. It speaks to the resilience of farmers. 
I went to a dairy and there's somebody ripping the drywall out of the basement and they're they're up and running just as if they nothing had happened as far as the milk supply goes. But I got a tour of the property and the long lingering effects of what's happened because of the flood, it's going to be there for a while. And we need to figure out how to support a lot of the situations. The dairy in particular lost all of its feed for the winter, mm-hmm. um, floated down the river, large bales scattered everywhere and absolutely, you know, soaked with water so they're ruined um they've been going around with a tractor to collect them and put them into a compost pile but they're without feed so it's situations like that where you need to do an assessment and figure out what they need but obviously you know we've seen companies committing funds to help with cleanup and recovery but we have seen of course companies sending actual products such as milk replacer for calves and and those sorts of things so how are are these help you know are these products getting to farmers are you know, we're talking about the Fraser Valley, but we're also talking about areas more into rural BC, so um, into the Merritt area. Uh, there are going, there's going to be challenges around feed, but the, it, right from the get-go, the generosity of Canadians uh, and people outside of Canada just wanting to contribute and, and send what they have to help out has been incredible. In fact, you know, at one point we were struggling with an area to receive donations because, and 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 that's a that's a good problem to have, um, but. You know, it's we're going to have to manage it. You know, there's issues right now with trying to figure out if the soil's contaminated uh, mm-hmm. before crops get seeded again. Um, some will try and seed for uh, the winter and try and get something to uh, root itself just to hold that soil. But um, we have to do soil samples, and there's there's a lot of work to do. But you know, the the farming community is just absolutely amazing. Even though many of them have lost everything, um, a chicken farmer in particular lost his home and his barns. He continues to say, yeah, it's bad, but it could have been worse. It's Where are we at with the milk supply and the egg supply coming back online? So, um, you know, the, the numbers of, are, of the losses are quite staggering, but when you look at the percentage of what's been lost, it's a little bit more hopeful. So we, have, we actually have um, 100% of our milk supply back online. Wow. So that's great news. Uh, we lost about um, 5 to 10% of our poultry. So, you know, reverse that and we've got 90% that's still viable. So that's great. Um, Our egg producers were a little bit more lucky. We didn't lose a lot of those. But the Fraser Valley, of course, is important. In BC, we also have many other regions that produce a lot of food. And so we're we're lucky in that way. Um, But it's the highway system has disrupted the way we move food around. And that seems to be the, the biggest challenge right now. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, partly cloudy. Wind southwest 20 this afternoon. The high, minus 5. The low, minus 11. 
Saturday, mainly sunny. Wind southwest 30 tomorrow, the high plus 2. Wind chill, minus 18 in the morning, the low minus 7. Sunday, sunny, the high minus 1, the low minus 8. Monday, partly cloudy of the high minus 1, 30% chance of evening flurries, and a low minus 7. Tuesday, cloudy, 30% chance of flurries, the high minus 4, the low minus 13. Wednesday, sunny, the high minus 13, the low minus 18. Thursday, sunny, the high minus 13. Normal high for this date, minus 8. The normal low, minus 19. The sun rose at 848 this morning. It sets at 455 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Maple Creek at minus 4. The cold spot up north, Uranium City, minus 29. Estevan is minus 8. Saskatoon, minus 9. Swift Current, minus 10. Weyburn, minus 12. Yorkton is minus 10. Regina, mostly sunny sky right now. It's minus 9. That's 16 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-southwest at 9. Humidity is 67%. The barometer rising 100.9. Partly cloudy in Moose Jaw, it's minus 7. Winds are from the southwest to 21. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy, mostly sunny sky, minus 9, that's 16 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. For the most part, there was less insect damage to crops in Saskatchewan this past growing season, with some notable exceptions. Grasshoppers were at the top of the list, along with flea beetles. There are two types of flea beetle, the striped and the crucifer. James Tansey is the Provincial Insect Control Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Stripe tends to be more prevalent in the north and uh, the crucifer more prevalent in the south. We had widespread damage across the province, uh, including northeast, yeah, throughout the province, really. The most spectacular accounts were from the Northeast, though, with multiple sprays going down. And some were still experiencing wrecks after multiple sprays. There were some notable populations of late-season crucifer flea beetles. What we also saw were fall populations of crucifer were high in uh, Swift Current, Regina, and the Outlook areas. And we saw early emergence of the, of the overwintering population, primarily in the Southwest. So these animals are what are called facultatively divolting. So if the heat units allow... They can actually produce two generations per year as opposed to their usual one. What this means for the coming spring remains to be seen. It's, it's not a A leads to B uh, relationship. We also had very high numbers of crucifer flea beetle in uh, central parts of the province. Again, what this means for spring populations remains uncertain, but uh, it's certainly worth watching for. Tansy says last year's heat likely affected the striped flea beetle. There was some indication that we had populations either dispersed from canola fields after they emerge to overwinter as adults, or they simply didn't do very well because of the great heat. These ones typically start to peter out about 26 degrees Celsius. Crucifer flea beetle, they can take at low 30s, even mid 30s, before you start to see uh, downward uh, effects on, on populations. So more heat sensitive are striped, and some of the speculation right now is that uh, we may have seen an impact on their populations. So what this looks like in the spring still remains to be seen. 
but there's a possibility that we've seen a reduction in in stripes. Uh, Again, you know, fingers crossed. While flea beetles were an issue in canola last year, there were no problems with the Bertha armyworm. In 2021, we had the mean numbers of male moths that were captured per trap at 91. We've seen a precipitous decline since since 2018. So uh, we only had one trap of more than 400, and uh, that was near Gorburn. No reports of spraying for Bertha in canola. We did have some have, have some reports of control that was acquired in quinoa. Bertha is a, is a host generalist. It'll it'll munch on a lot of different things, but given a choice, it'll go with uh, with lamb's quarters or quinoa. Tansy says Bertha numbers have been declining for three years, but will bear watching in the future. These are uh, cyclical populations, uh, and they typically outbreak every six to eight years or so. Typically, the populations are controlled by parasitoids. Uh, they're on the menu for a large number of predators and parasitoids, uh, and they're also strongly affected by pathogens. And they're also strongly affected by entomopathogenic fungi, uh, much like some of the grasshopper populations are, much like many insect populations are. James Tanzi is the Provincial Insect Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau has announced an investment of more than $4.6 million for three projects in the pork sector. She says it's being done to grow the pork industry within Canada and in international markets and to help farms continue to ensure high levels of safety in the face of the threat of African swine fever. I'm pleased to announce that the government of Canada is investing $3.2 million to help Canada Port International to continue its great work of diversifying our international port markets. This investment will help improve market access and strengthen promotional campaigns. We're also working hard to increase our pork markets right here in Canada. To that end, I am also pleased to announce an additional investment of $550,000 to help the Canadian Pork Council strengthen domestic pork promotion to encourage more consumers to choose Canadian pork. Because we know how critical the fight against African swine fever is, we are adding $850,000 for a total of $4.65 million to support the Canadian Pork Council's vital work to prevent and prepare. Together, we will make sure Canada remains a global leader in sustainable agriculture. Bebo says these projects are funded through the Federal Agri-Assurance Program. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The application of fertilizer for the 2022 crop is the topic of a new report from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The regional crop specialist in Kindersley, John Ippolito, has the details. Trying to determine the appropriate amount of nitrogen fertilizer to apply and when is a challenge for the 2022 crop. Areas that experience dry conditions and low yields in 2021 may have higher than normal amounts of nitrogen in the ground as the nutrient removal rates from the 2021 crop are linked to those crop yields. Some areas of the province are still quite dry, which means the initial target yields may have to be adjusted to reflect the amount of available water. 
All of this would indicate that 2022 may be the year to reduce the amount of nitrogen fertilizer applied prior to or at the time of seeding. In-crop applications could then be used if we receive significant amounts of rainfall during May and June that would indicate higher yield potentials. Recent trials have shown that applying the right amount of nitrogen prior to or at seeding is the preferred method and provided the highest yield and protein content compared to applying a lesser amount at seeding and then top dressing later. Highest yields and protein content were realized when 100 pounds per acre of nitrogen was sidebanded at the time of seeding. Applying 70 pounds of nitrogen per acre at the time of seeding and then following up with the 30 pounds of nitrogen per acre prior to the boot stage provided slightly lower yield and protein content but was an improvement over just 70 pounds per acre at the time of seeding. If considering post-emergent or in-crop nitrogen application, timing is important for both wheat and canola. The majority of the nitrogen uptake is prior to tillering in wheat and prior to bud formation in canola. Post-emergent applications of nitrogen should be made in a time frame of roughly 40 to 50 days after crop emergence to get the desired yield response. The two fertilizer products that are most often used for in-crop applications are urea and urea ammonium nitrate. Both these products, when applied to the soil surface, are prone to losses from volatilization if rainfall is not received shortly after application. To reduce these losses, they should be treated with a urease inhibitor. For more information on nitrogen fertilizer applications, refer to the Nitrogen Fertilizer Fact Sheet on Saskatchewan.ca. This is John Epolito, Crops Extension Specialist with Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Kindersley. Coming up, Market Update. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola gained $4.60 at 9.6932. Oats fell $15 at 5.5153. One red spring wheat rose four dollars forty-four cents at four sixty-one thirty-five. The rest were unchanged. Durham seven sixteen ninety-one. Feed barley three eighty-three sixty-four. Flax one thousand four hundred seventy dollars fifty-nine cents. Lentils nine eighty-six fifty. Yellow peas six twenty-three twenty-four. And feed wheat two sixty-one sixty-five. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat went up one and a quarter cent at ten twenty-three and a half cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn eight four two forty five seventy four. And now the latest livestock quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moose Jaw. 1,850 at our Tuesday pre-sort. Another 650 cows here at our regular Thursday sale. These top-end calves, they sold to a strong demand here on Tuesday. These plain to medium and shorter-framed cattle continue to be discounted all fall long. Last of sale of 2021 will be Thursday, December 16th. And the first sale in the new year is Thursday, December 6th. Cow market was dollar stronger here again yesterday. These good 
high yield in cows, 74 to 80. We had cows right up to 82, 83 cents. Medium cows from 67 to 74. Heartland Musha would like to wish everyone a very safe holiday season and a very profitable new year. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is both Brandon Moose Plants, $165.62 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. This week, nearly 300 high school students from across Saskatchewan participated in an in-person agricultural boot camp. The camp was hosted by Saskatchewan Polytechnique and SunWest Distance Learning Centre as part of a farm equipment technician course. SunWest Ag Coordinator Lori Gasper says demand for qualified agricultural equipment technicians across the industry led to the project. She says students get to experience a day in the life of a Sask Polytechnic farm equipment tech student. There was hands-on work with transmissions, engines, and electrical components. Sask Polytech program head Chris Thompson says farming is an important industry and supports 7% of all employment in Saskatchewan. He sees the benefit of high school students exploring the trade and participating in the boot camp. SunWest offers courses to high school students across Saskatchewan with 50 hours of online theory, 40 hours of practical work study at an agriculture dealership, and a 10-hour boot camp at SAS Polytech. SAS Polytech has campuses in Moose Jaw, Regina, Saskatoon, and Prince Albert. On the markets, the TSX is down 74 points to 20,851. The Dow has risen 69 points at 35,824. Oil has gained 30 cents to 71.24 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is up five one-hundredths of a cent at 78.70 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.